Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 42 of Off the Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all very, very much for downloading our show today. Wherever you are in the world right now listening, I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now, not long until our final week of season three, as we are finishing with the biggest week in the show's history. It is absolutely massive. I cannot wait for you guys to listen to it. That's coming your way next week. We are wrapping up season three next week in a massive way. So keep your eye out for that. Now, speaking of massive, before we get to next week, we have a pretty big week on the show this week, starting with Dolphins team member and a swimmer who just recently smashed the Australian 1,500-meter freestyle short course record up in Queensland, and that's Maddie Goff. I spoke to Maddie a few weeks ago and discussed her amazing return back to competition following the COVID break, her coach Chris Nesbitt and the fantastic team culture they have up there at TSS, her career so far with all the learning moments including 2018 Pampax and of course last year's world champs in Guangzhou where she finished fifth in the final, in her first major final, which was a massive effort. So grab some snacks, find some time to yourself, because Ep 42, my chat with Maddie Goff, starts now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Joining me today on the show is a Dolphins team member that in recent years has really been making her mark on the Australian distance events. She has represented Australia at Pan Parks and last year's World Champs in Guangzhou, where she finaled at her first World Champs coming fifth in the 1500. It is a massive welcome to Off the Block Swimming podcast to Maddie Goff. Maddie, how are you? Hi, good, thanks. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Not a trouble at all, mate. Now, listen, uh, everyone always knows where I am. I'm in Sydney. Uh, I'm in my house. As you can see, I'm actually in my bedroom. I've been kicked out of my... I used to be in my garage, but I got kicked out as per usual. Um, where have we caught you today? Um, I'm just in my house in Gold Coast. Yeah, just in my room. Very nice. Now, Alyssa, I'll give you a little... Um, tip i guess that i, I was almost going to stop talking to people from the gold coast not in a bad way but because when the pandemic was hitting and i was stuck in my house and you know i couldn't go anywhere and i'm out western sydney so there's really not great scenery out here no offense if people live out here with me but there's not uh and every time i talk to you guys on the gold coast it'll be like oh yeah no i got to go to the beach today and it was still pretty nice up there and it must be a pretty uh you know nice lifestyle up there on the gold coast yeah, definitely. It's beautiful here. The beach is always amazing every single day. And yeah, through the whole lockdown, it was the beach was still there, which was 
really, really nice. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I couldn't boycott the Gold Coast altogether because majority of the Australian team train on the Gold Coast. So if I was going to keep the podcast going, I needed to keep yeah. these conversations happening. So it's okay. I managed to move past it and get over myself. Now, uh, mate, talk to me about, this is the part I normally talk about the COVID break and, and how, what you've been up to and how you went during lockdown. But I was reading you know, that, that you weren't even in Australia when it all started to hit. Um, you actually had to rush home. Firstly, tell us where you were and what you were doing over there, because I think that's a really interesting story in itself. But then, you know, having to rush back and managing to get home just in time. Um, yeah, so I was over in Spain. Um, I was in Sierra, Nev- Sierra Nevada, which is a high-altitude place at the time. Um, I just I went over there just to train bit of different training and there's a good group there that do a lot of um distance so I was just training over there at an altitude camp um I was meant to be there for about four weeks but uh the coronavirus sort of all happened after about two or three weeks so I had to quickly change my ticket and rush home Mm. How was training going over there? Because obviously, you know, different environment, um, you know, different swimmers around you, different coach. Were you enjoying it? Were you enjoying the challenge of it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's an amazing group there. I spent a lot of um, 2019 training there as well. So I knew the group quite well and the coach and I loved it over there. So it was, it was really good. Yeah, it was good change and yeah. yeah, well, we are talking about it before, weren't we? What a great part of the world it is. Even, uh, I know, obviously, you're there to do a job and you're training and you've got to get your head down and get the work done. But, you know, it's a, it's a great uh, part of the world, a beautiful spot over there in Spain. Now, talk to me about when you came back, you know, did you have to have a bit of a break from training? Did you manage to stay in the water? I know a lot of the TSS guys were, were out in the ocean. I've talked to Kia, I've talked to, to Dave on the podcast before, and I know they were still quite active out in the, in the water. What about for yourself? Um, yeah, well, when I first came back, um, there was still training at TSS Pool because it was a few weeks before the lockdown started. So I wasn't allowed to go back to that because I came from Spain. So I just tra- had to train in by myself, but I could still swim in a pool, which was nice. Um, and then after about one and a half weeks of doing that, they closed down all of the pools as well. So I was the same as, yeah, Kia and the rest of the squad. We just swam in the ocean um, most mornings and tried to do some running and cross-training, which was, it was different, but it was enjoyable towards the end, getting into the ocean swimming and got to know the beaches a lot better. How'd you go with the running? Because I know, you know, in terms of swimmers, swimmers plus running doesn't really go together very well. Um, no, I'm the typical swimmer. I'm terrible at running. <laughs> it was a struggle every day to do it, but I'm yeah. a tiny bit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it wasn't surprising to me how many swimmers started jumping on a bike and just doing cycling instead yeah. for a while. Yeah, a few a few walks replaced some of the runs. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is also the part where I normally say, you know, getting back in the water, how was it? Harder, tougher than you thought, all that sort of stuff. But just recently at the uh, Queensland short course prep meet, you broke the 1,500-meter Aussie um, record, sorry, short course record. So clearly it wasn't that bad for you getting back in because you, you obviously have done pretty well. Firstly, talk to me about that. Were you surprised by breaking that record? It must have been nice, you know, getting back into racing again and then coming away with that sort of a, an achievement. Um, yeah, definitely. I was, I was really happy with my swim. Um, I was slightly surprised because I just – it was my first race back since the whole lockdown. So I wasn't 
100% sure of how I was going to go. But um, the training's been good. And I think it, it helped doing a bit of different stuff over the lockdown. And I think it just, I was refreshed and it was, I was super excited to race again. So I think that really helped a lot and helped me get excited and yeah. ready to go. <laughs> Other than refreshed though, like how did you feel? Did you feel any different when you're back in racing? Did you feel a bit stronger? Did you feel a bit uh, like you had a bit more speed? You know, was there anything that you did during the, the break or the downtime that you look back on now and you're like, actually, you know, that really worked. That did contribute to that. Um, I think I, I felt a lot better towards the back end of the race. I sort of built through the race, which I think is probably due to doing a lot of long distance swims without as much speed. So I think I really had a, a really good sort of aerobic base, which definitely helped a lot. Yeah. Mm. Especially in a 1500. No, oh, well, congratulations on that record though, mate. That was definitely, um, I think I, I wasn't shocked cause I know you're, you're a great talent and you're a good swimmer and always, always, I think you were going to do that, but considering it was your first one back, I was like, God damn, look at her go. Well done. So I, you know, I had to bring it up. That's for sure. Now let's go right back though, Maddie. Let's go back to where it all started for you. How did swimming start for you and what drew you towards the water? Um, well, I think always when I was younger, I loved swimming. I loved the ocean. I loved rivers. We did a lot of traveling. So we spent a lot of time camping and I through when I was young, we always swam in the lakes and stuff. And then I just got back to school when I, when we finished our travels and I got into swimming and I just, I always loved it and just sort of built from there. Am I right? You grew up in uh, Coffs Harbour? Yeah, I grew up in Coffs Harbour, yeah. I moved was, to Gold Coast when I was 16. What was life like uh, at Coffs? Because obviously for all of us listening, anyone that's travelled and driven from New South Wales to Queensland or Queensland and New South Wales, you've gone past the big banana. So we all know where Coffs Harbour is. Not everyone gets to stop there. I have, and I've, I've been there uh, more than a few times. It's a beautiful place in New South Wales. What was life there like for you? Um, yeah, it was beautiful. It's such a nice place there. It was a very small town so it was nice you sort of got to know a lot of the community and it was looking back on it now everything there was amazing it's so easy it's such an easy life no traffic it's just so relaxed and beautiful yeah um yeah i loved it there did you play any other sports when you were younger um i was really into surf lifesaving um so i did that and swimming most of my life um at school, I was in the school softball team, which was different, but it was really enjoyable. Yeah, we, it was a big thing at my school, so that was good. Yeah. <laughs> what about heroes or idols? Was there anyone that you looked up to as a young swimmer that you sort of, you know, was inspiring you by what they were doing? Um, I always remember looking up to um, Jess Shipper. She was amazing. I loved watching her, and I think she was just an amazing swimmer. So she was always an idol of mine. Um, but I just, I loved watching the whole, the whole swim team. I've always sort of followed them. So it's, yeah. Uh, Jess Ship is definitely a good one, mate. She was my very first guest here on the podcast, episode one, way, way back when. Um, I don't know how, but I was friends with her on Facebook. I actually still don't know how I was friends with her on Facebook because <laughs> we'd never actually met. So I was like, oh, yeah. friends with Jess, so I'm going to reach out. And she was so nice. She's like, sure, I could do that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, now it's, it's a little bit easier to say, sure, I'll come on because you, you know who I've talked to before and you can see what I've done. But mate, she gave me a chance when uh, nobody knew whether this thing was <laughs> going to be successful or not. So I've always got high praise for Jess. She is definitely yeah. a legend. 
Mate, for a lot of people, there's a moment, could be in training, could be a, you know, at a meet, could be at a junior meet where people start to realize that, uh, you know, those sort of goals that they've set for themselves, they're becoming more of a reality. Um, I was talking to even Chad Leclo. I'm a big name dropper these days, by the way. I uh, apologize. But I was talking to Chad Leclo last night and he was even saying, you know, he always dreamed of going to the Olympics. I dreamed, I dreamed. But then, you know, obviously there comes a point where that starts to become more of a reality. What was that moment for you where you started to see, okay, those goals that I've set for myself, they're starting to actually really become, you know, very close for me to reach out and grab? Um, I think for me, one of them, it was when I was a lot younger. Um, when I was 16, I got my first medal at national age. And I think, because I guess I was from a small town, no one, it wasn't a huge thing to go to nationals or anything like that. So I think I just sort of realized that, wow, I can, if I could get a medal at national age, then it's just a few more years and then it'll be open. So I think that was really a turning point in my swimming, just Mm. to see the improvement. (laughs) Well, that move for you from Coffs up to the Gold Coast, was that swimming related? Was that just family related and the family had moved? Or obviously, as we touched on before, the Gold Coast is certainly a hub for, you know, high performance swimming. A lot of the best swimmers in the world train on the Gold Coast. So was that a strategic move for you as well, swimming wise? Yeah. um, Yeah, I think it was. I think a lot of the reason we moved was for swimming. Um, it was just a lot, a lot more opportunities here and a lot more bigger facilities and more training partners to swim with. So, yeah, probably it was yeah. a good move, though. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely a good move. Now, as a youngster, did you struggle with anything? Might have been nerves, you know, a competition, could have been nutrition, keeping up with your sessions, um, prehab. I know a lot of my swimmers, when I say, all right, go over and start to stretch and activate, they get on their phones and sit down and they're not really doing anything. Was there anything that you sort of, you know, went through as a, an age group swimmer yourself that, you know, the younger swimmers now can listen and learn from? Um, yeah, definitely. I think I was one of the ones I used to always get really nervous before my races and I'd always go warm up like three hours before my event and get to the marshalling area two hours before my event, um, which is obviously not the best for pre-race. Um, so yeah, I've always been quite a nervous swimmer, but I think I've learned that it's, I swim better and it's more enjoyable when you sort of relax and try to take in the experience and just make the most of it without getting too caught up in trying to swim fast or get a PB. Hmm. Well, it's some of your, you know, favorite events to race and has that changed over the years? Obviously you're fairly versatile in the way you can, you know, be a very distant swimmer in the 1500. I have no doubt you could probably do open water and I don't know if you have done open water, but I'm sure you could, um, but you can come down to the four and, and probably even touch on the two. There's no doubt. So what are your favorite events to race? And as I said, has that changed over the years as you've gotten older? Um, yeah, well, at the moment, my favorite event to race is probably the 1500. Um, I just enjoy the challenge of it. And I enjoy the thinking about it into 500s. And I just like the strategy and trying to go out fast or go out slow. And I just enjoy that side of it. Um, but when I was younger, I actually used to love the 200 fly. That was my favorite event, um, which is definitely not anymore. But I used to love that. I don't know. And then slowly my freestyle sort of taken over and then it's gotten longer and longer and yeah, now it's the 1500. (laughs) Well, for a lot of people, and I always try to talk to you guys in a way that, you know, the younger listeners can sort of identify with for a lot of people when they're at 
age nationals and things like that. A lot of the ones, especially I've spoken to lately have massive programs, just huge, like for your heats and finals and 800s and 1500s. Did you ever have that issue? Did you ever look at your age nationals and say, yeah, that's a massive week. And how did you sort of deal with that? Did you have to be right on top of your nutrition, your, you know, your swim downs, your warm ups, all that sort of stuff? Um, yeah, definitely. I used to I used to try to enter every event I qualified for because I was so excited I qualified. So I thought, oh, better swim it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I ended up doing quite a few events towards the end. And I think the main thing I thought about during that was just trying to stay on top of nutrition and making sure I swam down between my races and sort of think about it as one event at a time rather than looking at the whole day and getting caught up in, oh no, I've got 200 free after this race. So I can't, I have to go easy in this to make sure I do well in that. I think it's, it was good to just look at it as one race at a time. Yeah. yeah I think that's good advice. Did you have any pre-race rituals? Were there anything, little things, are you superstitious in any way? Um, I used to be very superstitious. I used to do take my goggles on and off five times and do five jumps and stuff like that when I was a lot younger. But um, now, now I just do whatever I whatever I feel like it's no, no set thing anymore. <laughs> in terms of pre-race playlist, do you listen to music before your races or are you that sort of person that likes to sort of chat and calm yourself down that way? Um, I prefer to chat and just calm myself down and just think about the race or think about whatever at the time. I don't really have a set playlist, but okay. all right. if you had to, if I said to you, you've got to listen to music before your race, what would you listen to? Do you think? Um, I'd try to listen to something catchy that I knew well. So maybe whatever the hit music is, Harry Styles maybe. Yeah, just to put you in a good mood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, In terms of pre-race meals, so the night before a big meet, what what do you like to to eat? Because I know there's a lot of swimmers out there. The common one is obviously spag bowl. Everyone loves to have a big plate of spag bowl before uh, a big meet. What about for yourself? Um, I don't really have a specific meal, but... I would say I like having sort of potatoes and maybe wraps. So I I love purple sweet potatoes. So I'd always have chop up some potatoes into chip shapes and have those or Mexican wraps, tacos. Yes, nice. I do love my Mexican too. I mean, your Mexican, I'm sure, is a lot healthier than the way I'm going to have it. But uh, no, you can't beat a good Mexican night, that's for sure. Now, mate, 2018, uh, you made the Australian team Pan Packs in Japan. I think you finaled in three events there in the 400, the 800, and the 1500. What was that experience like for you? Um, It was amazing. Yeah, it was one of my favorite events. It was my first international team. So I was super stoked to be there and then to make the finals it was it was a really it was a really cool experience um I remember just seeing the crowds and there were so many people and it was I was very very nervous but I loved it yeah I was gonna say you know for for yourself this is your first team you know what was it like sort of getting over there with the crowds with the you know the uh, international swimmers around you and the hustle and bustle I'm assuming it's it's similar to like a and a, a national sorry for for us over here but also just on a bigger scale so how did you handle that those sort of things with the nerves yeah um yeah it was definitely a lot it was a lot bigger and more more people around so that was it was very different um but I think I just tried to turn the nerves into excitement and just use them to help me, help me swim fast and help me enjoy it and take in every moment. It was, 
yeah, it was good. <laughs> Racing wise, as I said, you did very well. Was there anything in the pool that you've learnt from that you know maybe you went out too hard, maybe you went too easy, maybe you know certain little mistakes um, that you may have made along the way over there that you've now learned from? Um, yeah, definitely. I think at bigger competitions, I always seem to I go out not too fast, but just too hard. I get I get stiff and like tensed mm. up, so I end up feeling it more towards the end. Um, so I've learned a lot to just try to relax at the start of the race and build into it rather than getting too caught up and trying to sprint the whole way. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, especially on those, you know, 800, 1500, it's, it's yeah. not easy if you've gone out too hard, is it? No, definitely not. <laughs> now, talk to me about your favourite sessions. We'll get to the sets in a second, sets specifically, but in terms of sessions through the week, what are some of your favourites um, you know, to turn up to the ones where you're sort of bouncing around and not dragging your feet. I, I know a lot of people, uh, sprinters especially, have said on this cheekily have said on this podcast uh, re- uh, recovery. Yeah. So uh, I mean, feel free to throw recovery in there. But do you have any favourite sessions of the week? Um. Well, I definitely love recovery. <laughs> um, but I seem to recently I've been enjoying the longer sets, like the more long aerobic. Like sometimes, in te- like quite intense, but just endurance sets rather than the speed sprint race pace. Mm. Um, but yeah, I love. I just love the challenge of going as like a long way in training, and I just enjoy that for some mm. reason. It's funny, isn't it? I think a lot of people listening. This is not to the coaches because the coaches would already know this. But for parents and swimmers out there, um, you know, as distance swimmers, people think you know you've just got to do lots of kilometres, you just got to do lots of work. But you've also got to do the speed work, don't you? Because you've got to give yourself gears to change throughout that race, especially at the back end when the girls are starting to lift their rate and drive towards the wall. If you don't have that extra gear to go to, you're going to struggle to go with them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Easy to try to just think you can swim slow all day long, but you've got to be able to pick up the speed and change it, which is the challenging part. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned, um, you know, those sets there. What are some of your favorite sets, um, you know, to do during the week? Um, Is there any that stick out in your mind as like just massive ones that you're like, wow, I'm actually like, it killed me to do it. But now I look back, I'm proud that I did it because that's, you know, it was a tough one. Um, yeah, definitely. There's been a few like really memorable hard sets. Um, I think one that I remember is we did a 5k time trial and then we did 2100s butterfly after that 5k time trial, which wow. was challenging, <laughs> but it was good. Yeah. You must have slept for a week after that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> the second part to this question is, mindset wise in training you know what keeps you going i mean there you go 5k's into what did you say 2100s that's a lot and that's fly so where do you go mentally through a session like that because you've still got to push yourself you've still got to try and achieve in each uh effort that you're going into mentally how, how do you keep sort of producing um i think i just try to think of it as like i've chosen to be here i want to improve and this is how i'm going to improve and this is how I achieve my goal if that's what I said that I want to do and this is how I do it. So mm. I just try to think back to that. If, if I'm Yeah, do you ever think of those goals or is it more one effort at a time? Like when you're about to start 2100s fly, God yeah. damn, I'm tired just 
thinking about 2100s fly. So you're about to push off and do it. Are you thinking about, okay, well, that's my goal. I want to make, you know, the Olympics or whatever it might be. Or are you going, okay, I've got 100 to do now. Let's do it. Bang. Okay. I've done that. Now, number two, let's do it. Yeah. Well, I definitely break it down. Um, when I'm actually in the middle of the set, I would think of it as one 100 at a time or 150 at a time just to get through each one and I wouldn't try to overwhelm myself thinking about oh no I've got 18 more of this just try to think of one at a time yeah yeah now last year mate you made the world champs in Guangzhou which I know the pan packs were a big deal for you but obviously the world champs is in another step up from that altogether before we get to the racing what was the experience like and how was it different to the pan packs how did you see it you know different um yeah it was definitely it was an amazing experience um I think it did seem a bit, it seemed a lot more serious and focused. I mean, Pan Pax was as well, but there was definitely a different atmosphere. It seemed a lot more, a lot more hype about the racing and it was more people and yeah, it was, it was, a, it was different, but it was really enjoyable. Well, it was all happening, wasn't it? Over there, yeah. there was controversy. There was all sorts of things going on. There's, there's no <laughs> doubt. Um, yeah. You finaled in the 1500, you came fifth. That must have been, you know, pretty pleasing for you considering, again, you know, this is your first world champs and, and you've stepped up yet again and finaled and fifth. I mean, that, that's pretty good. It's not just you scraped into the final. Like fifth is still pretty good. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I was, I was really happy with my swim there. Um, it was, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I was super, super excited to have made the final. And then I just went in and just tried my best. And it was, there was not much pressure on me. Once I made the final, I was just trying to enjoy the swim and do as best as I could. And I was really happy with result now in terms of the 1500 and i don't want you to give away your and chris's you know secrets here but how, how do you look at sort of putting it together a 1500 just for those younger listeners at home that are, are distance swimmers or middle distance swimmers and their coaches are you know trying to help them as well how do you go about putting together you know your best 1500 um i think i try to think of it as three 500s so i think of three sets of 10 laps and then after every 10 laps, I'd sort of reset and then try to build the speed again and pick it up. So that doesn't, so I don't get overwhelm myself thinking about the 1500. I just look at it as a 500 and then sort of start another 500 and then another one. So I try to descend through them. Mm. And in terms of, you know, where maybe at times you could make your mistakes, is it that the first 500 is a bit too, um, you, you mentioned it before, a bit too strong, a bit too forced. You sort of, you know, push it a bit too hard. Yeah, definitely. I think that's been my mistake in the past, just trying to go too hard, um, just being tense and trying to getting caught up in where everyone else is and just worrying and not, not relaxing and thinking about my stroke and the race plan. Mm. Well, obviously, mate, you're getting on top of it. That uh, Aussie record um, a, a month or so ago obviously shows that you're getting on top of that race plan. So keep going. You're doing a good job. Now, what lessons did you learn from Guangzhou that you're going to take forward to Tokyo 2021? You're starting to now gain uh, a lot more sort of international experience racing-wise. So there's, there's no doubt, you know, you've seen the top-level girls there. You've been in finals with them. You're matching it with them. So you're learning, you know, little bits along the way. What have you learned from those experiences, you know, moving forward? Obviously, again, don't give too much away because I, I know international people listen to this. So I don't want you to give too much away. But, you know, what have you learned that you're going to take forward to next year? 
Um, I think a big thing I learned at Worlds was to not sort of worry about what all the people that I was racing were doing. Sort of in the warm-up, I could see people I was racing. I was like, oh, they're getting out now. I should get out and get ready. If they're going to be there before me, I'm going to be late. Or in the marshalling area, everyone was listening to music. So I was like, oh, I should listen to music too. But I think I learned that I should just do what I do and do what I know works for me. So that was a big lesson I learned there. Yeah, and I guess for you being a chatter, it's a little bit different being at a world championship final, isn't it? With, you know, coming from obviously an Aussie trials where you've got a lot of your friends around you and you, you, you know, you're in there and you're sort of happy to have a chat. But when you go to these sort of bigger international meets, uh, I know you probably know some of them and you're friendly with some of them, but it's, it's sort of a different environment, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's a different atmosphere in the marshalling area. So I think I just like to try to be relaxed. So I think I'll, I don't know, I guess maybe I'll listen to music. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Put that Harry Styles back on, mate. You'll be yeah. right. Um, now, York, I was going to start singing this song. What's it called? Strawberry. What is it? Yeah, uh, Watermelon Sugar. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, your club mate, TSS, and, the co- and your coach there, Chris Nesbitt, you know, known now for producing great results. But we also know that, you know, that doesn't just happen. That also comes from a great team environment, club culture. Talk to me about, you know, your time there at TSS and, and how much you enjoy that club culture because obviously it's there obviously it's it's ingrained in the club because of the results that you guys continue to get yeah it's it's an amazing team culture there there's a really good group of group of people there at the moment and I think it's everyone's nice and supports each other and during training everyone pushes each other along and it's a really good atmosphere and I think that really helps us all swim a lot faster and enjoy it. (laughs) Well, there's a great, you know, um, team of coaches there as well, which I've been lucky enough to um, have a few beers with and learn from and and chat to, but there's no doubt that your coach, Chris Nesbitt, one of the world's best in my opinion, um, has helped, you know, cultivate that culture and, and drives that culture. I know, I think um, Dave was telling me when you guys were ocean swimming, you know, he was out there as well and he's, he's crazy into his fitness as well and he's leading by example. Talk to me about that partnership with you and Chris and what makes it work so well, do you think? Um, yeah, I think he's an amazing coach. He's definitely helped me a lot throughout my swimming. Um, I think he's really good. He sort of listens to what we say and what we – he takes – into consideration our opinion of what we think might be good for us swimming or what we want to do. But he also has a good balance of knowing when to just tell us to do what he said and just get on with it. So he's, he's got a really good balance of listening to us, but also making sure we do what we need to do. (laughs) Absolutely. I think it is important too, especially as you guys get older, isn't it? I know, for myself as an age group coach, you know, and, and all these chats I'm doing and listening to you guys talk and some of the coaches talk that it's definitely interesting to see that as a coach, your role as you guys get older becomes more of a mentor and, and a partnership rather than a, um, a, how I say to my swimmers as a dictator and everyone else underneath has got to sort of follow what you're saying. But as you guys get older, it's definitely got to be a lot more give and take, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's definitely a partnership. And I think that, that, method works well and I think Chris has got that really down pat (laughs) excellent now stepping away from the pool now for a bit what do you get up to when you're not going up and down the black line and I mean for you definitely you're going up and down the black line a lot more than some of the others so what do you get up to when you're away from there 
Um, well, I love to go to the beach. Um, I love, I like to read a lot. Um, I'm at uni, so I do go to uni quite a lot at the moment as well. Um, like walks, bike riding, yeah, anything. How important is it, do you think, obviously you enjoy your swimming and you're very focused and driven in, in your goals, but how important is it to have things outside of swimming to look forward to, to go and do? I know there's a lot of youngsters out there that are obviously very driven, but maybe they don't have those other outlets. Maybe it's all about swimming. Is it important, do you think, to have other avenues and other things to look at, to, you know, look forward to? Obviously, when you're at swimming, you're working hard, there's no doubt, but away from it, is it important to have other sort of outlets? Yeah, definitely. I think it's really important to have other outlets that you can go to if you, after your session or before your session, and you can just have a different aspect to your life to try to improve on things outside of the pool or just relax and unwind and have other elements that can balance out your swimming. <laughs> now, uni, you mentioned uni, and I already know the answer to this, but we weren't recording when I asked you this. So what are you doing at uni? Because I, I did read somewhere you were, you know, looking at doing forensic science. Um, yeah, well, at the moment I'm studying biomedical science. Um, I was really interested in forensic science, um, but now I'm sort of more turning towards the medical side of it, um, which I'm not sure why it just, kind of changed maybe I was caught up in a crime show at the time yeah CSI um, you were all around yeah. CSI yeah but yeah I'm really enjoying it I'm in my first year so I've got maybe two or three years left of this degree and then hopefully another something afterwards not sure yet yet <laughs> how do you go with the balance obviously for you it's a little bit different with uni but there's a lot of obviously uh age group swimmers that are going to school whether it be year 10 11 12 um and they, they've got to try and find that balance they're starting to up their sessions they're at seven or eight sessions a week but also school's starting to really take off and it's exam time and you know that you know the story all too well how do you go with the balance and finding it um yeah it's, it was definitely challenging i remember school being always super busy um so I think it's it's a hard balance to find, but I think that, like we were saying before, it's good that to have another thing in your life, such as school or uni or something. So, yeah, I think it's important to just try to think of both of them as equally as important when you're at school still. Yeah. Now, talk to me about, and I, have, I didn't touch on this before, but I'm interested, obviously, being a distance swimmer. What sort of kilometers, what sort of volume are you doing through the week? Would, you know, would we be shocked to hear it's, it's not as much as maybe people would think? Are they just, is, does it vary? Does it build and then come back? Like, what's a, a week look like for you? Um, well, it kind of varies a bit. It goes up and down. Um, but in general, at the moment, I'm doing between 80 and 90 kilometers a week. Um, but it would go up or down between those. But at the moment, that's what I'm doing. I think I like to do quite high volume of training. Um, I don't know. I think that helps me the most. But, yeah, I guess everyone... How, how many sessions would that be a week for you? Um, usually 10, 10 swim sessions, yeah. Nice. What are you doing outside of swimming in terms of fitness? Do you have other classes that you're doing? Are you in the gym? What are you doing around it? Um, we usually do three gym sessions a week and then one spin session and one gym circuit session. So four gym and then one spin. What's your favorite? Um, apart from the swimming, which is, <laughs> I definitely prefer to land. Um, probably spin. Yeah. 
I hate the spin bike. Firstly, my backside can't fit on the seat. So it just, it's so sore. I can't even sit down, but then just the pain. Yeah. And it gets quite hot as well. Exactly. Now, yeah. man, I like to finish all of these chats with a little bit, uh, a little bit of fun, less serious questions, as you know, cause you've listened to a few yourself. So you should have a fair idea of what's about to come your way. So I'll throw it out to you and then whatever first comes to your head, you just throw it straight back. So don't be embarrassed if your favorite music is, you know, Harry Styles, that's fine. Yeah, That's yeah. fine. Watermelon sugar high, throw it out there. Or what's the other one? What's the one with the fish? Oh, uh, um, a doy? No, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just a let doy. me adore yeah. you. Yeah, that's the one. Well, that's yeah. a weird, that's a weird film clip of that fish just keeps growing. Yeah. And anyway, my daughter loved it, but for me, yeah. I thought it was weird. All right. So <laughs> let's, I digress. What's your favorite music to listen to? Um, favorite music. Uh, I like pop. Um, I like Lord. She was one of my favorites. Where's she gone? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I <laughs> Dropped really don't off know. the face of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> two years. Yeah. <sighs> what about favorite movies to watch? Um, I like, I like musicals quite a lot. Um, so the greatest showman I love, Les Mis. Um, I also like the Hunger Games trilogy. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah, yeah. Uh, the greatest showman was a good one again my daughter i'm i'm you know i don't get very much access to movies myself these days it's all about what she enjoys she's about <laughs> to turn two tomorrow but um yeah no she's happy to watch that because she likes <laughs> music uh what's your biggest fear mate and i don't mean in terms of like life i just mean it could be a spider it could be uh you know, I've heard open water swimmers say, you know, deep, deep ocean water because they can't see and stuff like that. What's something that you, you know, you're a bit scared of? Um, I'm definitely scared of spiders and sort of bugs. I don't really, I don't like them. Um, but I don't really have a particular biggest fear. Um, I guess sharks. I'm just afraid of sharks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What about... Um, Favorite meal? Obviously, we talked earlier about what you've eaten before a night before. But you know, if you're not worried about that and you're just going out on a Saturday night to to have a feed, what's your favorite things to eat? Um, definitely pizza. Pizza is my favorite. Yeah, I love Italian and pizza. How good is that? Oh, yeah. I love Italian myself. Um, are you a reader? Do you read books? Um, yeah, I do. Yeah, I read quite a lot. What are some of your favorites? What What would you recommend that people get around? Um. I would recommend Graceling is one of my favorite books um, okay. or Slated or yeah. <laughs> what about favorite countries? We've already talked about Spain and, and you've been to obviously um, Guangzhou. You've been to, oh, what's the other one? I'm thinking of Tokyo. Sorry, my mind just went <laughs> black. I already had it in my mind. But anyway, you've been to Japan. What are some of your favorites that you've been out and visited? Um, I love Europe. So I love, I loved Spain. That was amazing. Um, I like England, London. Um, I love Japan as well. That was Tokyo's really, really cool. Yeah. I love all, I love all countries. I love to travel. So anywhere, anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're on a plane, you're happy, you're happy yeah. to be heading out to, to visit somewhere new. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I'm with you. What about favorite TV shows to binge watch? Um, I just finished binge watching uh, Marcella, kind okay. of a crime show on Netflix. It was really good. Um, 
I don't really binge watch many shows, um, but I did like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That was good. <laughs> that is a classic, yeah. yeah. I, there's a lot of people that are enjoying that one, that's for sure. Uh, what about TikTok? Do you, are you on there? Um, no, I'm not, unfortunately. <laughs> no, that's all right. I'm always happy. When people say no, I think good on you. Well done. <laughs> that's one for the good guys. Uh, what about favourite quotes? Um, favourite quotes. I don't have a specific quote, but one I can think of that stuck with me that someone said was, you can't succeed without failure. So I think that just stuck with me because every time you don't get what you want or you don't succeed in your goal, then you know that that's the way to success. (laughs) Absolutely. Use it to fuel you and you come back bigger and stronger than ever. Um, When we redo this interview in two years' time, what accomplishments will I be adding at the top? So already I had up there, you know, Australian representative at Pampax, finalists at World Champs. What else would you like me to be adding the next time we chat? Um, I don't know, just hopefully hopefully something else. Um, Well, I guess my goal would be the Olympics next year. That would be amazing. Um, But, yeah. It's always a tough question, isn't it? Because I know you guys don't like to put, you know, if you, if you come out and say, oh, you know, Olympics or Olympian or Olympic medalist or whatever it might be, it's kind of like you're putting that pressure on yourself. So don't worry. I understand where you're coming from. But, man, I'm a journalist. I've got to ask these tough, hard-hitting questions. Uh, I think that's a perfect chance, mate, to wrap it up. Thank you very much for coming on for a chat. Um, I know it's been a while for us trying to, um, you know, work out our schedules and, and get it to happen, but I'm so glad we did. Again, you know, congratulations on that Aussie record. I think that's Uh, a sign of many, many things to come your way. Uh, I think you're killing it at the moment and congratulations with all your success and the success, hopefully, that you'll go on to continue to have. Good luck, you know, training towards trials for Tokyo next year and hopefully we get you back on for another chat. But until then, Maddie, thank you very much for coming on Off the Block Swim podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. No worries. Today's episode of Off the Block Swimming podcast is proudly brought to you by our good sponsors at Pro Swim Workouts. Thanks so much again to Craig for coming on the podcast. Still so many great guests coming your way. Do not miss a minute of the action as we get closer to the final week of season three, which is only a few weeks away. It's going to be blockbuster interview after blockbuster interview leading all the way up to our 100th episode, which is going to be amazing. And I cannot wait for all of you guys to celebrate it with us. Until then, though, guys... Have a great day. Kids, enjoy your school holidays. Parents, maybe head to the bottle and stock up. And it's bye for now. Bye.